This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I want, I want to get right to the Word so I can bounce off the scripture the Lord gave me. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. Uh, Mrs. Dillon, can you... <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. <laughs> if you're excited about the Word, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. You know, I always, I always think about what I heard Brother Hagin say years and years and years ago. Because Jesus is the living Word, when you get excited about the Word of God, you're showing Jesus how excited you are about Him. And you know, I, I know that years ago, I heard another man of God teaching. And he said, whatever, whatever you're sharing the Word of God, it's Jesus through you speaking to others. And that's whether it's a preacher up here like this talking to people sitting out there listening, or whether it's Doug down at Santa Fe sharing about Jesus, what the Word of God has to say. That's just like Jesus being there because He watches over His Word to perform it. He confirms His Word besides following. He is the living Word. And so, you know, I just know that I think it's a good thing when we open it up like that, if we give a cheer for the Word of God, because we give it a cheer for Jesus, and let them know, Jesus, I receive you as the bread of life. You said the mash don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. So let, let's one more time give a cheer for Jesus at His Word. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, so a few days ago, we were talking about who was going to preach this Sunday morning, Sunday night, etc. Mrs. Pastor had her fired up evangelistic sermon she wanted to do, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll do Sunday night then. And the Lord immediately gave me this scripture right here. And so I'm, I'm going to preach around this tonight. I got some notes and things, but we'll see how we go with it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9 says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. He told me to preach about things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And so, i got notes I'm going to look at, but just observations tonight. I saw things that accompany salvation in the lives of many of you. I'm thinking about Frank. Frank, how many years have you been a born-again Christian now, become church, maybe three? About four. He's been about four years. And, and Frank, to me... And Jamie, I see Jamie sitting right there, I see Jamie, and different ones of you, but there's things that accompany salvation, and if you truly receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you know, in my life, I talk more about me than I can you, because I know me better. I know who I was, I know who I am, I know where I've been, etc., etc., and in my life, on payday, we used to get paid on Thursdays. We didn't hang out in church. We were sinners. We went straight to the Sunshine Inn. That was the name of the place where we drank at. They'd cash our checks. We'd go there. They'd take as much as they'd get before we got out of there. And so me and my cronies, we hung out the Sunshine Inn. And then on weekends, I didn't go to church. On Sunday morning, I was like, I, I, I followed the footsteps of my dad and my mom. I was hung over. That's the kind of stuff we did. On January 29th, 1980, I received salvation. I received Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And you could, you could, you could, you could mark your calendar. If you wanted to find Bernie samples on Sunday morning, they knew where to find me. There's things that accompany salvation. I was at church. 
On Wednesday night, I was in church. Had men's bees on Saturday morning. Our church had men's bees every Saturday. We had men's bees every Saturday. We didn't have any food. They didn't have to come in for donuts and coffee and bacon and eggs. Our pastor was an awesome Bible teacher, and I wanted to be a better dad. I wanted to be a better husband. I wanted to be a better Christian. And we come in, and our pastor was in a little storefront place. He had a chair sitting there. We gathered chairs around him like that. The guys that would come, and we sit there for about an hour or two. He would sit there, read the Bible, and tell us how to be a husband. Tell us how to be a daddy. Taught us the Word of God. And I just want to say this. To me, for Christians that have really received Jesus, you don't have to tell them, we're going to have coffee and donuts. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to teach you guys how to stay married. I'm going to teach you how to raise your kids better than you were raised. I'm going to show you how to live. And that's the things that accompany salvation, the hunger. But I looked at Frank. The reason I was thinking about Frank, I was over in the other building, the office building, and I had to look out the window about ten after five, I saw Frank over there helping kids, helping teachers get ready for children's church. I like that. I said, look at that guy right there. I said, that's a man you could tell he's a born-again Christian. He's getting here early and nobody knows except God. He's over here because he wants to serve and he wants to help. I think about Dave. You know, you heard a little bit of Dave's testimony. Well, Dave, Dave kind of served over here before he's even saved yet. So he'd come over and help do some things around church. God had the hook on him a long time, reeled him in. But you look at Dave. Dave's a server. He's a giver. That's things that accompany salvation. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't live like you used to live. When you're a Christian, there's things that that, that accompany your salvation. Think about Nick. We was talking to Nick a while ago. And, uh, you know, Nick's telling some things on his heart. He wants to do for God more and more and more and more. He wants to be a better dad, husband, etc. But Nick, that's on his heart. He wants, to, he, wants, he wants to help the world be a better place, not by doing natural things, but doing spiritual things, mixed up in the natural things, to be able to help people to know what the real truth is. How many know that if we had Christians in our nation that really realized politics wasn't the answer, and all the other things out there wasn't the answer, but the answer was getting people born again and discipling them. And, and you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the, about the different ones. I said, I think about our ushers a while ago. You know, the ushers back there, they get ready for offering stuff like that. These guys are here serving. There are lots of other things they'd be doing. And Amy, and I'm going to embarrass you, but I don't really know Amy very much yet. But I've watched her for the last several months. Every time the doors are open, that woman's in here and got her kids with her. And so there's things that accompany salvation. What I see... I look at somebody like Amy, I see somebody that's truly met Jesus. And they want to learn all they can, know all they can, do all they can, because they know how real it is. And that's things that accompany salvation. You understand what I'm saying? And you know, when we're talking about this, we're talking about what real life's all about. When you're really born again, it's more than saying, I go to church. I was thinking about back when I got born again back in 1980. The guys made fun of me because I was all my old drinking buddies. I wasn't drinking anymore. It was a small company. Didn't have that many guys there. And so they was going down to the Sunshine Inn. And then uh, on Wednesday night, I, I was so hungry for God. And back, back in those days, everybody wore suits. We all wore suits. And so on Wednesday night, on Wednesday when I come into my job, I'd bring a suit in. We had, we had, a, we had a locker room there for our stuff there, you know, our, our trucking stuff, I'd bring a suit in, and on the outside of my locker, I'd get the coat hanger around, just had it stuck in the little vent thing up there. My suit hung there all day long. 
And I, I'd get off my job, and I'd go in there, and I'd change my suit right there, and all the other guys getting ready to go to the sunshine in, and they'd make fun of me. I still remember them. Oh, what are you doing? You going to a prayer meeting? I said, yeah. They sometimes say, well, Bernie's going to go to a Bible study. He got religion. I said, no. I said, I received Jesus, and I'm going to hear the Word of God taught. Amen. But see, there was things, and I didn't do that. I didn't do that as a show for those guys. I knew where I'd come from. I knew who my family was. My family was bootleggers. Some of them were murderers. Lots of bad guys. Some mafia guys mixed in. All kinds of people. Matter of fact, my, because this is not going out to the world on the YouTube stuff tonight, we're just talking. Matter of fact, my, uh, my, my grandpa's dad, they come to Indiana from Kentucky because his dad shot a guy with a shotgun and killed him. And back in those days, they didn't have extradition. So all he had to do was cross the Ohio River and change states and they couldn't arrest him. So that's how that side got here. Then on my dad's side, it was just about bad, if not worse. So that, that was what my legacy was. My family sat around talking about who killed who. And not just a figure of speech, but who killed who. And where the bodies were buried. Sometimes when my family was sitting around drunk and talking to all this stuff like that, they started digging up old things from back years ago about things that happened like that. And that's who they wanted to be, my heroes. Well, I met Jesus. And I decided this curse is broken. Amen. I think about when I was, when I was born into the earth, Harry Truman was president. And there was always a saying about Harry Truman. He had a sign on his desk and said, the buck stops here. Have you ever noticed how politicians always blame, blame the last administration for whatever the problems are? Well, Harry Truman, uh, he was a Democrat. And Harry Truman, when he came in, he said, if there's any problems in this country that aren't being fixed, I'm not going to blame the last guy. He said, I'm in here now. I can change it. The buck stops here. And so what I said for that for me, I took that to myself as a Christian. All the bad stuff my family done and we're still doing, et cetera, et cetera. I said, the curse on the Samples family is broken. The buck stops here. I don't live there anymore. I'm going to do those things anymore. And Pastor Dave made a reference last week about my, about my parents. Uh, one day they surrounded me. Some of my family members did. And they said, because I went off the deep end, they're going to be committed to a saint asylum. The reason they wanted to do that is because they heard that I was speaking in tongues and that I associated with black people. My family was very racist. And so they thought I was really nuts because I wasn't in their mold anymore. And so when they surrounded me and told me, we're going to have you committed, and you never see your little girls anymore. And you know what I said to them? I said, well, if you do, Jesus will go in with me. Guess what? I didn't get committed. I've always walked with Jesus. My life got bettered. I led my mom to the Lord, so she got to go to heaven before she died. I led my dad to the Lord before he died. He got to go to heaven. And my closest brother to me is a year and a half younger than me. He died about ten years ago. I led him to Jesus, and he's in heaven. And so all these people, all these people that did not like my new lifestyle, my my new lifestyle got their butts out of hell. Amen. And so I'm saying there's some things... There's some things that Paul said ought to accompany salvation. We're going to look at some of that. But I'm thinking about Paul. As I was praying this afternoon and looking over this lesson again, I got to, I got to think, you know, we've got a time constraint, so we can't go to all the verses. I got to think about Paul. I went back to the book of Acts. 
Paul's the one that wrote this in Hebrews. He said, there's some things that ought to accompany your salvation. Well, in Paul's life, as I went back to the book of Acts, Paul thought he had a mandate from God to kill Christians. He thought he had a mandate from God to break into people's houses because they were born-again Christians and take them to prison, take them away from their kids, take them to prison. And so Paul was very much a Christian destroyer. He was a threat to Christianity, etc., etc. And then Paul, when he received Jesus on the road to Damascus, said that light shined out. And when he saw the light and he received born again, then Paul turned against all those people he used to work with because he knew how real it was. So Paul, instead of killing Christians, he became a Christian that got killed for being a Christian. All the way turned around. He didn't compromise. He didn't hide who he was. He didn't go back out of fear and think, well, I got, I got to do this or they're going to get me. He just lived his Christian faith. And so we as Christians, if Paul could do that and then tell us, there's some things that ought to come to your salvation. Then I think about Walter. You know, Walter was a, he was, he was, he was, he was a Sunday school boy from down in, was it North Carolina? North Carolina Sunday school boy down there. He knew these things and he was, I think he was probably always living right. But all of a sudden, after his wife got born again, really turned on these things several years ago, Walter knew this is real and you couldn't find him anywhere else on church day except right here. Got special events. He's right here. There's things that accompany salvation. There's things that accompany, and so we're going to look at just a few of these things tonight, but I'm thinking about, as we look at this, that word accompany, you know, uh, well, I think about David's example then. When your daughter went to Michigan, would you say you accompanied her? He went with her. And so, if, if you're going to accompany somebody, that means you're going together. I think about Doug and Alessis, did you guys accompany one another to church tonight? Traveling together. And so if there's things that accompany you, that means when you show up, these things ought to show up. Because he said there's things that travel with your salvation. Amen. And, uh, you know, I said again because of time, I'm a Bible teacher more than a preacher, but because of time we have to do things a little bit different. But I'm thinking about some of the things that's obvious, talk about accompanying, but think about Mark chapter 16. He said these signs in verse uh, 15 through 20, but he said, these signs shall follow, and the new translation say accompany. Them that believe. And that's not the direction we're going tonight. That, that's called, that's called walking in the power of God. You know, it says, if you're a believer, Jesus said that this ought to follow you. You lay hands on the sick, people get healed. People are oppressed of the devil, possessed of the devil, devil, harassed by the devil, then you cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Those are signs that accompany. Those things that follow, that, fo- that follow Christians, those signs should follow. But then also, that's the, that's, that, that's talking about the, the power gifts, the power of God in there. But then we got the Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of God in a believer. And so, those signs should follow us. And that's, that's the direction we're going to go tonight is more the character than the power. Because, you know, I think about an old saying that I heard years ago, and I know it's so true. I've seen it as a Christian in people's lives that uh, people, you know, I can't hear what you're saying because I see what you're doing. And to me, one of the greatest threats to get your family saved is for you to have roast pastor on Sunday afternoon. Or roast sheep. And what's that mean? Go home. And tell, tell your unsaved loved ones 
how bad the people in your church are. How you don't really like your pastor, but that's the one you've got. And talk about fellow Christians. Bad mouthing all the time. That's bad godly character. You know, how many know that we don't do everything perfect all the time and that if Jesus or God wanted to talk about us, he'd talk about what losers we are instead of how he sees he wants us to be. He calls those things to be not as though they were. And so we're going to talk about the character part tonight more than anything because that's the first thing that should follow a believer is having good character. Amen? Amen. And so let me go back to my notes and see what I got down here. So anyway, we're talking about things that accompany your salvation. I want to read that one more time because I love how faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Verse 9, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. And you know, we could preach on the better things even. But let's just talk about the things. And things that accompany salvation, for though we thus speak. And so I want to turn then to 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. And keep it in mind, we're talking about things that accompany our salvation. And so, what we need to do as Christians, we need to be doing a checkup on our lives, really, just kind of a regular thing. I know that when I was a truck driver, I drove 18 wheelers. Uh, believe it or not, I was a truck driver for 28 years. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I didn't hardly think you looked 28 years old. Well, you know, looks are deceptive. <laughs> but I was a truck driver for 28 years. I drove for a lot of years. And then I first started preaching. I was still driving for a while. So that, that was a lot of years in trucking, you know, drive those big trucks like that. But every day we had to do the same thing for safety and for maintenance of our vehicles. Every day we did inspections to see what's going on for our truck. Every day we checked the oil. Every day, we check the lights. And when you're driving 18 wheel, there's a whole lot more than four lights. You don't have two at the front and two at the back. we got lights everywhere. Every day, we checked our air brakes. Every day, we did a lot of check to make sure that things were doing what they're supposed to do so we could do what we're supposed to do for the company to get our paycheck, take care of our customers. So as Christians, if there are things that should accompany our salvation... We'll be doing a checkup. We'll be stopping, and really, with the help of the Holy Spirit, every day we should be, every day, as we're praying, it should be a two-way conversation. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know it. That tells me that Jesus talks to us. And you know, there's a lot of deception. People look for voices in the head, and most people look and listen for head voices. They get goofy. He speaks, speaks to us in our spirit, that still, small voice. That's just like this verse he gave me for teaching on tonight. There wasn't any booming voice come talking to my head. I prayed and said, Jesus, what do you want me to talk about Sunday night? He immediately gave me this verse. And this is not one of my familiar verses I think about all the time. He spoke that too, but I knew where to go find it. So I come to this, and there's just an impression, a knowing on the inside of me, teach them about things that accompany their salvation. Amen? And so, if the Bible says there's things that accompany our salvation then the Bible's going to tell us what those things are. Amen. And so this is like a checklist. You know, I think about the air brakes. <laughs> you know, a few of you know about those kind of things. Some of you don't. Doug does at the railroad and things like that. But on, but on the semis I drove, I could check my trailer brakes separate from my tractor brakes. 
As important, they both work because a tractor, if you had an air leak in your trailer, how many of those trailers are big? And they're the ones that carry the weight. And I found out by experience before, if I had an air leak on the trailer and the trailer brakes wasn't working and I touched the brake pedal on the tractor, that's, that's the thing that pulls the trailer, and I had a heavy load on there, I didn't stop. I kept on going because that tractor wasn't set up to stop the whole outfit. It said go pushing. So just because the trailer brakes were good yesterday, doesn't mean they were good today. And so just because you had the right things to come to your salvation last year, how are you today? That you know, I talked to Mrs. Pastor. You know, we've as she said, uh, she said it, not me. We're not spraying chicks anymore. We've been around a few years, so there's people we haven't seen maybe for ten years. As she says, you know, she will be having conscious say, "Man, well, they're spirit filled. They're all fire for Jesus." I say, "Well, how do you know that? We haven't seen them for ten years because there's people in the city of Barstow used to be in this church that were on fire for Jesus. They're not on fire for Jesus today. Amen. They made a tailspin. They crashed. And so the only way." The only way you're going to know if that tractor and trailer is still safe today is if you check it again today. And if you got a problem, you got to get it back to the shop so the mechanic can repair it so you can go back out and do what you're supposed to do. We as Christians not only need to do that self-check at home, we need to come into church, get under the corporate anointing, and let the Holy Spirit speak through the preachers and through the other people in church to help you see what's going on. Because sometimes, sometimes you can't see it yourself. Sometimes somebody else has to see it for you. I think about the lights. You know, one of the, one of the, I never dreamed we'd be going to the trucking road tonight. But one of the hardest things to check on, on, on a tractor trailer unit is the electrical for light problems. You know, when you're going down the road on the trailer, it's really important, especially on the open road, that all those lights work in the back. Has anybody ever been driving at nighttime? And all of a sudden, you see a trailer that the lights were out of. Oh, wow. Boy, I'm glad I saw that. And I'll tell you what, when a car hits the back of a truck, there's not much left of the car. And so, you know, if you've got a light problem, sometimes you have to be driving it and have somebody get behind you and say, what are you seeing back here? Is that looking okay? Because it may be working okay sitting there, but somebody tell you, you know, your lights wasn't working. You get out and look at them, they're working. Say, man, everything looks good. You start moving. And something's loose somewhere, and then they're not working again. So sometimes you can have somebody else see what you can't see. Somebody else got to look at you too. Amen? And that's why church is so good. So anyway, 1 John 3.14 says, We know, well, isn't it nice to know something? He says we can know some things. We know that we have passed from death unto life. That's called salvation. That's called born again. You go from being a spiritually dead person to spiritually alive person. He said, there's something we can check to know how we passed from death unto life. He says, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. There's things that accompany salvation. We should love Christians above all else. We should love Christians. And you know, I think about what I, what I, what I was writing this out the other day. This is the most important, number one characteristic thing that follows your salvation because you love church people. You love fellow Christians and not just your own church people, by the way. We love everyone, 
but especially fellow believers, whether they go to our church or not, whether they believe the same doctrines we do or not. The number one Bible doctrine you must believe, and you all know this, to be a born-again Christian, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for our sins. He was raised from the dead. And then it's really nice to go to the next level, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, be a tongue-talking believer. But he didn't say, you go to heaven because you speak in tongues. You go to heaven because you receive Jesus. And so we love Christians, whether they believe in speaking in tongues or not. We love our fellow believers. They believe in the same Jesus. We love our fellow believers, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. Whether they voted like we voted or not. It doesn't say you go to heaven because you're Republican. Doesn't say you go to heaven because you're a Democrat. Says you go to heaven because you're a Christian. And so Christians, he said, we've passed from death unto life, and we know we have because we love the brethren. We love Christians. And you know, whether somebody believes in tithing or not, you don't go to heaven because you tithe. You go to heaven because you receive Jesus. Etc., etc. So that's what I'm saying. We as Christians, there's things that accompany salvation. And I'll tell you, the last thing I would do, matter of fact, in Revelation chapter, chapter 12, it talks about Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The last thing I'm going to do is somebody coming up to me wanting to gossip about a Christian. Whether it's the church member here, or down at the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, or whatever church it is, I'm not going to listen to garbage about Christians because that's not loving the brethren. If somebody is out there and they're really in trouble, and we know about it, we can pray for them. And if God opens the door, I'm not their pastor, I'm not their judge, I can't step into everybody's life and tell them how to live right. But in my own church, if people come to me for help, I can help them. Or if God lays it on my heart, to reach out to somebody I know is in sin and in serious trouble, I could try to help them and encourage them, et cetera, et cetera. But he said the main thing is we love the brethren. That's how we know we pass from death unto life. And there's a difference. You know, I thought I, I, I think about the gifts of the Spirit. And some of you know about some of the gifts of the Spirit, the word of knowledge. Is God showing you something about somebody that, you know, about their life or something? You know, Jesus talked to the woman that was caught in that, uh, that, 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 that at the well. And said, well, the man you live with said, he's not your husband. Said, you've had five husbands. And this was not your husband either. Well, he didn't say that to expose her. He said that to help her. And so the gifts of the Spirit are given to us not to expose the brethren, but to help the brethren get out of the pit. I want to say that again. God, as he begins to trust us, shows us things about people's lives. Not so good. Irma, man, I can't wait to tell you. Oh, I, I, I just can't wait to tell you about Melinda. Let me tell you what I heard about Melinda. That's not the way it works. Whole thing is, the Holy Spirit shows us things and wants us to help people get out of trouble. And sometimes we get other people to pray with us. But if you're ever going to say something to somebody to pray with you, you make sure number, number one, they're not Sister Bucketmouth. Or brother, grab it and blab it. The only time we should talk to another Christian about another Christian that's in trouble is we know this is somebody that's a real Christian that prays. It's a real Christian keeps their mouth shut. 
It's a real Christian that knows, woe is me. It could have been me except for the grace of God. And so we want to help people. You see what I'm saying? I talk about things that accompany salvation. And he said the number one thing, I guess I'm kind of paraphrasing that, but when Paul, when John said, we know we passed from death unto life, to me that's salvation. He said, because we love the brethren. And I don't think there's any louder witness to your family, to your co-workers, your friends, that can preach any greater sermon than how they see you live day by day, day by day, day by day, day by day. I think for the sinners out there, let's face it, the lost people are not knocking the doors down to get in. Yet. I think when the door of the ark closed, they tried to get in. But it was too late. But, out there, every day, every day, every day, how you respond concerning other people is preach a louder sermon than I could ever preach. Because they're not hearing me, but they're seeing you. Amen. And so Paul said, things that accompany salvation. And so it doesn't make any difference about their politics. doesn't make any difference about their doctrinal beliefs as long as they're not anti-Jesus. <laughs> but if they're born-again Christians, our love should be evident. And so, so when you love all fellow Christians, it's a thing that accompanies salvation. And write this verse down, John thirteen thirty-five. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty-five, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples that you have love one for another. Jesus said, the number one witness for all the people that know you is how you love people. Amen? That's things company salvation. Now I want you to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And, you know, I, I think about God's love that... If Christians get a hold of the love of God, and you know, for me, it's really impossible to walk in the love level God has for you if you're a social social media nut. Or if most of your information comes from the news, talk about secular news. All that is is hate, 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 division, 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 hate, 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 division, hate, hate, division, hate. How are you going to walk in the love of God if you allow yourself to be pummeled every day, all day long with hate talk? And you know, Jesus, Jesus is the one that said, Matthew chapter 12, any city, any nation, any household divided shall not stand. And I'm not going down a bunny trail, but I just want to say this. When I saw the big death blow the devil tried to put on America, it happened back during the election in the year 2000. Then all of a sudden, the media started putting at the top of everything they put out there. They said, a nation divided, a nation divided, a nation divided. America's divided, America's divided. Well, when our nation started, we were called the United States. And so we as Christians should never go for the division line. we got to start speaking unity again, because the Bible talks about when the, when the brethren are united, nothing's impossible. Remember the Tower of Babel? It said because they all got one voice, there's nothing impossible for them to do. 
because they got one voice. So we as Christians have got to get our hearts united as Christians. And I want to say it again, not just talking about this church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, talking about the churches. Does that mean we all go to the same church every time, every day? That would be impossible. All the pastors are gifted different. We've all got different gifts. We've all got different personalities. And, you know, some people could not stand my personality. But I don't have to be their pastor either. And so God's got a pastor that they can gravitate to, they listen to, they respect, and they honor. But as we honor one another, we may not be in agreement with everything. We agree with one thing. Heaven's real. Jesus is the way to heaven. So we got to get along with each other because we got people out there that we work with every day. We have family members. We want them to go to heaven. And so this love always prevails. That That's always company salvation. And so John 13, 35, Jesus said that that because we have love one for another, that that's how people know we're the, that we're his disciples. And so Romans 5, 5, this, this is a big scripture. And you need to get this revelation in your heart. It says, hope maketh not ashamed because, now look at this, we're talking about this love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, is shed abroad in our hearts, and I want to say it's not our heads, not our emotions, not our feelings. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so, if God's love isn't evident in your life, you need to make it a part of your personal confession Things like this. Romans 5, 5 says, My heart is filled with the love of God. I have the love of God in my heart, not in my head, not in my feelings. I don't love because it's a feeling. I love because I have God's love. My new nature has the love of God. I can love by faith because I'm born again by faith. And the same faith got me born again is the same faith put that love in my heart. I can love like Jesus loved. I forgive like Jesus forgave. I could overlook faults like Jesus overlooked faults. Because I'm not doing it with my own strength out of my head. I'm doing it out of my heart. Amen. Amen. See, I'm telling you about, about these things that accompany salvation. We as Christians have got to recognize. Hey, think about this. Peter asked Jesus, he said, he said, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Jesus said, seven times seventy. And then another gospel, he said, in one day. So in other words, other words, we as Christians cannot love and forgive out of our head. And I think about that, Mrs. Pastor, about our soul winning days on the streets of uh, Noblesville, Indiana, back years and years and years ago. We knocked on this door one day, and there's this lady that we wanted to pray for her. You know, we didn't know these people. We just every day we would get up and we would pray, say, Lord, where do you want us to go today? And so we'd find the streets and we'd know what street, whatever we're supposed to go to. Knocked on the door and this lady was in there. We said, uh, we're here representing Jesus. And we wanted to see, is there anybody sick here? Anybody we can pray for? And the lady let us come in and she was really, she was, she was, she was broken hearted. And Mrs. Pastor said, you've really got a problem with forgiveness. Said before Jesus could do what you want to do, you've got to forgive. And the lady started crying. She said, I want to. She said, she said, my, my, my daughter-in-law murdered my son. And so then Mrs. Pastor, they began to minister to her, and we helped her get set free. She said, okay. Said, said, 
We cannot imagine the horror that is. But Jesus lives in your heart, not in your head. And so right now, if you could just from your heart get your head out of the way and just open your mouth and say, Jesus, I forgive her from my heart for what she did. I forgive her for killing my son. And see, there's a heart and the head thing. And so we prayed with that lady, and the peace of God came all over her, and she said, I have forgiven him. I've forgiven her. said, I have really forgiven her, because Jesus in me is able to forgive her. And so I'm saying for our lives, there's things that accompany salvation. We should not hate anybody. And you know, I just want to say this, this also. If you know somebody's going to kick you every time you go around them, quit going around them. Man, you have to go get beat up every day. You understand what I'm saying? And so you can forgive them, but just keep your distance. And they'll believe God at the same time in your prayer. But, oh God, send them to hell. That's not your prayer. Lord, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. You said, love my enemies and pray for them. That spitefully used me. You said, love and curse not. And so I'm praying for so-and-so. Lord, I really don't want to see them. But if our paths crossed that I'm going to believe you're leading me, and I'm going to love them. I'm going to be able to smile. And if they say stupid stuff to me, I was going to let it run off me like water off a duck's back. I was going to let it keep on going. I'm going to smile. I'm going to love and I'm forgive. And I'm not going to get caught into a trap where strife starts. If I have to, I'll just smile and walk away and say, have a good day. Amen? There's things that accompany salvation. And so we have the love of God in our hearts. And so say, say this with me. Say, according to Romans 5.5, 5, My heart is full of the love of God. For Him and for everyone else. That's God's love. It's supernatural. I'll look at one more passage that we'll be heading in the home stretch. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And I, I mentioned the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God. And, you know, for you meat eaters, you mark down 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8a in the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8a in the Amplified Bible. And that really amplifies the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But that tells you the character of God. The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your spirit, what it produces. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so that's the character of God. And so you notice, in Galatians 5.22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. That accompanies your salvation. The very first fruit is love. And then these others evolve off of love. They come off of love. And then joy, then peace. And all the good fruit, all the good things you want in your life. And this is things that accompany salvation. And so, I would say this, for what God's wanting to say tonight. He said, we're persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation. And, you know, I never even thought of the truck example until I teach this night, but I just see me when I was a truck driver. Every day when I got, when I got this semi, every day is the same thing. Check the oil. Check the coolant level. Check the lights. Check the brakes before you leave. Check them every day. If, if I were you, 
I, I, I would seriously, on a regular basis, ask the Lord to show you every time that you walk away with a love walk. Whether it's with your boss, with your husband, your wife, your children, your next door neighbor. I remember one time we bought a place back in Martinsville, Indiana. And we had this new neighbor bought the place next to us. We, we had acreage out there, woods and stuff like that. And there wasn't any fence between us. We just knew where, we knew where the line was. And so, as a Christian, when I was on my riding lawnmower cutting the grass, I just had nothing but good, but good intentions. I thought, I'm going to cut some of his grass for him just to be a blessing, just to share Christian love. So I just started crossing the line, cutting his grass. Within about a month or two, he started planting trees, put a big fence up right there. I thought, man, that backfired. He thought I was wanting to steal his property. So then we had to find other ways to love that guy. Just other ways to reach out and do things. But I'm just thinking about the love of God. That is the love of God wanting to be a blessing to people. But then sometimes they don't understand what you're trying to do. They think there's a motive behind it. How many know John 3.16? Okay. It, it talks about God. For God so what? Love. Loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son said so God demonstrated who he was, who his love was, by giving his best. And so, as Christians, with the love of God in our hearts, if we've got God's love in our hearts, then who we love? Not only the brethren, we love the world. We don't love what they do. But we love them. Because I used to be like a Saul of Tarsus. I didn't kill Christians. I sure what a nice guy to be around. And most of you were like me. You were people that not like you are now. We wasn't church people. We was like them. But because the love of God through different people at different times reached out to us, the coming point in time that we finally got the duh, God must be real. And we gave our lives to Him. And so if God's the love of the world that He gave, then we as Christians, if we yield to the love of God, things that accompany salvation, instead of being so mean and critical all the time, we're going to be givers too. How do we give? Well, I think about Frank again. Frank comes over all the time and works on the church property. Probably, probably some of you other ones do too, and I don't know about it. Well, I know Amy did that one time. She wore holes in her jeans. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But now, a lot of you do things like that. Well, see, that's things that accompany salvation. You so love people. You so love God that you give of your time, of your labor. A lot of you do things in the church in different areas of ministry. I think about, think about Reba and John. They serve in their charts. Music and done for all these years. The things they do, that's because they love Jesus. That love's in their heart. That's how, that's one way they express it. And so that we so love that we pay tithes to God. We so love that we give to projects. We so love that we do whatever is necessary, and not only in church, but all the time. So that's things that accompany salvation. We laid out our life for the brethren. We lay our lives down and we decide that serving God is more important than the the bunny trails we used to follow all the time that led nowhere. All they did was just a very temporary self-gratification thing that lasted very temporary. Then the buzz was over. But now where we live now, this joy we have from working for Jesus, working with fellow Christians, far outweighs anything the world knows about. Amen, amen. And so just keep in mind... In our lives, 
there's things that accompany our salvation. If your life's drying up, if your joy level's going down, then you better stop and do a checkup and make sure that you don't have a loose connection to the wire somewhere. Those lights are flashing off and on in the back when not supposed to flash. Amen. People look at you. People look at you. They ought to have thoughts like, wow, if that's what it's like to be a Christian, how I see this Dave McNeil live and his wife Irma, if that's what Christians are like, I want to be a Christian. Amen. 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 Well, I guess we better zip it up and shut it down. But the fact of the matter is, we're Christians. And if you're going to accompany somebody, you're going to see them walking with you. And so we should see the love of God following us everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, we leave. They, they should say, man, you know what? That Rosalinda was just over here. I wish she'd come over. Boy, you know that? She's, I don't know what it is about that woman. There's something about that Rosalinda, but man, she makes me feel good. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a shout. Praise God. Amen. I tell you what, our, our, our church, our church, I, I think you, I think you know our hearts of everybody, everybody in the church that speaks up here, you out there. We want people to go to heaven. We want to be known as a soul winning church. We want, we want to be known as a place that if people need help, bring them over there. If people need help, they get them in there. Whether it's a Valentine's dinner we used to, which we'll be able to do again, our functions. I meet, I meet our, I miss our get togethers, our eating, our little banquets, everything we have, man, those times are coming that I'll get to know Amy better. <laughs> we get together like that in fellowship, man, we start knowing each other better, be able to do what we're doing. But the bottom line is, there's one goal. Heaven's real. Hell's real. Eternity's forever. And we're God's undercover agents on earth to get them there. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.